Good morning, everybody. All right, so uh, welcome to EWC, if you're new here. Um, my name is John Henry Landry. It's great to be with y'all. So on fifth Sundays of the month, the youth band, this is the youth band. Can, can I get like a round of applause for the youth band? Thank you. We like to play um, and worship with y'all. So I went to this camp recently, and it gave me a new perspective, and it showed me what love really is. It, it, is something, it was great. It says, love is when you realize something's good in it is greater than yours, and that you have a desire for that good, and that you are willing to act upon that good. So I, I heard that, and I immediately took it in and thought, wow, I love a whole lot more people now. So I know, right? And so this love that overtook me gave me a new perspective of life. And now I was thinking, what if today we all had a new perspective of worship? So I'm going to do something that the youth does, and I'm going to invite y'all down to stand in front of the stage while we worship. So if you would like to, you can just come and stand in front of the stage. This is something that the youth does up in the youth building. And I want you to worship with a new perspective, a new perspective of God, a new perspective of who you are and the love that you can give.
songs because they're not having to worry about repeating and rhyming because bridges never rhyme let's just be honest um and they're so honest and raw and the bridge of this song reckless love um is one of my favorite because you never realize just how much god loves you god loves you more than you love your own spouse God loves you more than you love your own sibling. God loves you more than you love anyone in the whole world. His love is endless. His love is reckless and overwhelming. And there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. Not, not everyone. He's not here to save everyone. He's here to save all of us individually. And he craves for that relationship. He strives for that relationship so much that he would break down anything in the way to get to that relationship. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things ever. And I want you guys to really meditate on that when we sing this song.
this better? We good? Okay. So this is a comely altar, and we've done it a lot in church. And when we started to do it in the youth band, it was kind of like this song that just brought everybody together. Um, so we've done it a lot in the youth, and my favorite part about it is at the end of every single verse, it says, Jesus is calling. And the whole message of the song is how uh, Jesus paid for our forgiveness and for our sins by dying on the cross for us and that the Father's arms are open wide and the fact that we get to even call him a father and that his arms are open wide for us and that a veil was torn and he's with us all the time and that Jesus is calling and Will talked about at youth camp how Jesus and God, they don't desire our service and our praise, they desire our relationship with us and our service and praise comes as a devotion and just right now in this moment I invite you to surrender everything that you've been holding that isn't of God, if you don't have peace with it, if it's stirring anxiety within you, if you have this weight you're carrying, just to surrender it now, fall into his arms and into his presence, and to know that he's calling and that he loves you unconditionally, and just see what happens and you'll feel the energy just exerting out of you, his love exerting out of you. So I just invite you to just to take a minute, close your eyes and feel that right now.
One last thing we like to do as a youth. Um, as part of the youth, whenever we have somebody speak for us, we like to uh, welcome them and introduce them in a special way. And uh, everybody knows my grandfather, Fear and Gospel, right? Uh, he loves Garth Brooks. So um, we're going to do this song for him. Texas, just to change the way you And she knows his love is awesome, and she knows he's gonna go. Well, it ain't no woman, flesh and blood, it's that darn old rodeo. Well, it's bows and blood, and bows and blood, and the roar of the Sunday crowd. It's the round that is knuckles and going Stone ground, there's boots and chaps in the cowboy hats, and the spurs and the lads to go. It's the ropes and the rings and the joy and the pains that then they call rodeo. I'd like to introduce somebody very special. Yes, he is your pastor, he is my grandfather, John Beerengas. Welcome to the stage, everybody. That's how you win me over. Wow. All right. How's everybody? Good. Good. Uh, Lena is going to come down, and we're going to give some Bibles to some students that are graduating to their next season of life. Do you want me to get a microphone? Or shout? You know, you, <laughs> you can shout. You're talking your ears. Hey. Just shout. Hey, so we have five fifth graders moving up to sixth grade this year, and if I missed you, I apologize. We were trying hard to um, remember everybody that has come over the past um, year or so, but we've got five that have come on a regular basis, and I am super sad, as always, to see them move on because they are such a joy to have upstairs. We've learned a lot of good stuff this year, over the past few years, actually, and one of them is my son, and he's also my helper, and he's going to probably continue to help me on and off because I can't bear to part ways with him, but 
love these guys, and I know that they're going into good hands with um, Joey, and it's pretty much the same kind of stuff. They'd still play games up there. They just don't do arts and crafts like we do. Well, we could start that. Anyways, okay, so first up, in alphabetical order, well, I did have them. Oh, I had them. I mixed them you all mixed up. mixed them up. Okay, so we have um, Emily Copeland. Are you here, baby girl? Where is she? Emily? No? No, Emily? Okay. Oh, I know that Landon's here. Come on up, bud. This is my son. There you go, bud. He's going to join his two sisters in youth. Aw, now my, my babies are getting big. I'm going to stand right up there, babe. Okay, and next we have Brandon James. I know he's here. I saw him. Come on up, bud. <laughs> Sweetest boy right here. Love this kid. There you go. All right, and we've got Delilah King. Are you here, Delilah? Delilah? No. All right, and then we've got Addison Strickland. No Addison? Okay. Well, we've got our precious boys here. <laughs> Girls are absent, but um, you want to pray over them? Sure, let's do that. You know, if you're a student and you're going to be starting school this week, college or anything, would you just stand up? We just want to have a prayer for everybody that fits you. All right, Father, thank you for these students. Thank you for what you're doing in their life. Thank you, God, for the teachers, the volunteers that, that every week give of their time. And Lord, as we talk about giving this morning, we're going to see the giving of our time is huge. And we thank you for it. And we bless them. Lord, just keep them strong throughout the year. Keep them healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. I uh, <clears throat> will share some stories this morning later on, and especially as I looked at this youth group this morning playing, and I'm going to give you a little history of Eagles Way Church, where we came from, and uh, it's, it's pretty amazing when I look back and see where we were, where we are, and where we're headed. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for this day. We pray, Lord, for passion and power and purpose and teaching and preaching. We pray that when we leave here today, every single one of us will be refreshed and revived and renewed in our passion, in our power, and in our purpose. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. I, uh, we've been in this series called Intentional. We're going to continue the series through September. And then uh, in October, we're going to go and do a series called Jesus Stories. But I want to talk about how important the word intentional is and uh, I uh, saw a post this week and it said that there was a teacher teaching her first graders and she asked them the, told them the story said there was five frogs sitting on the log three decided to jump off how many was left and they said two she said no five they decided to didn't mean they did it you can, how many has ever made a decision but wasn't that intentional about your decision? One of my favorite stories is of the racehorse that the owner told the racehorse that if you don't win this race today, you're going to be pulling the milk cart in the morning. And so the gates open, he takes off, and he's in last place as usual, and the jockey just starts beating the horse, and the horse looks around to him and says, hey, man, take it easy on me. I've got to get up early in the morning. 
Sometimes that's how life is. We're really intentional means more. It's not that I hope to do something. It is that I am going to do it. Hell is not paved with the road of good intentions. Hell is paved with the road of no intentions. Because if you're intentional about it, and so we're going to keep saying this until we all never, ever say again, well, I intended to. Hey, man, he's ever said that. I, I intended to. No, you didn't. I, no, I didn't. I've said that probably in 40-something years of marriage, I probably have said that at least a thousand times to Barbara. Well, I had good intentions. No. If you don't follow through with it, it wasn't good intentions. If you're intentional about it, you'll do it. Jesus said, no man intends to go to war. He does not sit down first and make sure he's got enough men to win the war. No man intends to build a house. He doesn't sit down first and make sure he's got all the material he needs to build that house. That's what intentional means. It means that you're going to do it. It is to move us. I love this statement. I'm going to keep saying it throughout until it's over. To move us into a spiritual realm of connection with God until healings and miracles and divine wisdom is genuine possibilities. That's, that's where we need to be connected with God in such a spiritual realm that healings and miracles and divine wisdom from God are genuine possibilities. I'm going to talk about intentional in our giving this morning. And giving uh, is not all about money. It's, it's more than that. And we're going to talk about giving of our talents, giving of our time, and giving of our tithes. But we're really going to focus on giving of ourselves. You know, God gave me a gift of being able to memorize. It has served me over my lifetime of ministry. He gave me a, given me a gift of memorizing Scripture, not a photographic mind. I don't have that. I have ability to memorize. Now, to do that, I just don't look at something and look away from it and got it. I have to look at it, carefully look at it, continue to look at it, roll it over and over in my mind, and then in a short period of time, I've got it. So, I have the ability today to do something that I do more of than I've ever done in my life, and that is meditate on scriptures. I do a lot of meditation because I have a lot of scriptures that I can meditate on. And over the last several weeks, I've had instances where a meditation of a scripture brought me to an understanding of it better than I've ever had in my life. And so I had this scripture I was meditating on this week, and it's John chapter 1, verse 14. And it says, And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that Jesus Christ was full of, of grace and truth. And I was meditating on that. And I know what grace is, but, and I, I know, I think I know what truth is. Truth is truth. But I, that just kept rolling over and over in my mind. I went, why would it say that Jesus was full of grace and truth? 
And when I began to study it out, I found out that the only translation of the Bible that says he was full of grace and truth is old King James. Every other translation translates truth as faithfulness and favor. Not truth up here, but truth in here. Truth that is lived out. Truth that is walked out. And when we apply truth, what we find in applying truth is the faithfulness and the favor of God in our life. When I apply truth, not when I read it, not when, you know, it's, it's more, so much more to it than that. I've got to apply it to my life. And so over the last several weeks, we've had uh, different ones talk about some different things. Dusty talked about that we got to be intentional in our walk. I mean, though it's important how we behave. I mean, you know, it's amazing as parents, we want our kids to behave, but kind of we get to be adults, we kind of forget about that. <laughs> you know, it's just not about getting our kids to, how many know that I need to behave? That we all need to watch how we walk, that we walk in love, that we walk in light, that we walk carefully. I talked about intentional in our fruit bearing. Say fruit bearing. Everything in life, everything, listen, everything in life is about seed planting and growing. Everything. You go to Genesis, it's all about the seed. All the way through the Bible, it's all about the seed. All about the seed. You can't, how many has ever asked, I won't ask you to raise your hand because it's a trick question. <clears throat> When people say, you know, I need patience, and so I'm going to ask God for patience. There used to be an old cliche, and you've probably heard it. Don't ask God for patience. He'll give you tribulation. Anybody ever heard that? Well, it's not true. As a matter of fact, you can ask God for patience all day long. You can pray for hours upon hours upon hours, and guess what? You're not going to get it. What are you going to get? Nothing. Wasted airtime. Patience is grown. Patience is a fruit. You either have it or you don't have it. Once it gets there, it's too late if you don't have it. Once, it, once you need it and, and you're there, if you don't have it, you can't say, Oh, God, I need some patience. Too late. You have to grow that. You have to plant seeds and you grow it. Too late to be kind when you need to be kind. You got, it's, it's a, the fruit of the Spirit's love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, and faith. It is a fruit. You grow it. You grow it. You can't ask God for it. You won't get it. You're wasting time. You're wasting your breath. You got to grow it. So I got to grow fruit. Well, I'm saying you're real excited about it. Now, I'd rather have it the other way, too. I'd rather have it the other way. But it's not that way. It's not instant. How many say it's not instant? Now, there's an instant pot. We have an instant pot somebody gave us last year. We love this instant pot because we can do field peas and we can do fresh peas in 20 minutes. We love it. But that is an instant pot and peas. 
But you don't get it instantly in life. You got to grow it. I'll tell you a story. Ralph Martin has told this story, and he tells the story about how thankful and how grateful he was that about 30 years ago, at the lowest ebb of his life, when he was a broken man, he had nowhere to go, had lost everything he had, and he had nothing. And we took him in, and for two years, we ministered to him, took care of him, gave him money just to sit and be restored. Now, he still tells me thank you for that 30 years later. But what you don't know about that story was 40 years ago, I have an Uncle Andrew, had an Uncle Andrew, still have. <laughs> but Uncle Andrew pastored in the Assemblies of God churches for years and years. Uncle Andrew was the sweetest man I've ever known in my life. I mean, he, Uncle Andrew could not preach without crying. He couldn't sing his song when he reached down his hands for me without crying. I mean, he just was that sensitive. I, I, I got my sweetness from Uncle Andrew. I got my tenacity for the word from my daddy. Because my daddy loved the word. Now, he had tenacity. He, he wasn't the sweetest. <laughs> he, daddy was a sheriff of the kingdom, if you know what I mean. He, it wasn't real, didn't just come out real sweet all the time. He's going to let you know what he thought about it and how it should be. And that's just the way he was. Well, Uncle Andrew was a sweet, sweet man. When he, he'd sing that, he'd get up there with his guitar. And people loved him so much that it, wherever he went, they would call him. You know, back then, you just called him up, kitty. Nobody had, you know, come, come on, Andrew, and sing your song. And Uncle Andrew would get up there and strap on his guitar. And he'd start singing when he reached down his hand for me. I was lost and undone without God nor his son, and he reached down his hands for me. I was near to despair when he came to me there, when he reached down his hands for me. He had big old tears just flowing down Uncle Andrew's life, what, face. Uncle Andrew retires, and he's got a very little Social Security that him and Aunt Lenny was living on. And Ralph loved Uncle Andrew. And he loved Uncle Andrew I think because he introduced him to me. Because Uncle Andrew came to me years ago and he said, this is Ralph Martin, have him in your church to preach. I said, okay. Another person, I've told you the story, he went up to, to me one time. He says, Buren, this is Ronald Gray, have him in your church to preach. I said, okay. So I had two lifelong friendships from Uncle Andrew, just introduced, just telling me what I needed to do. Ralph took Uncle Andrew and said, I want you to come to church on a Sunday morning. And Uncle Andrew came. This is 40 years ago now, 40 years ago. He told Uncle Andrew and Aunt Lenny, he said, I want you to sit here on this front pew from now on until you transition into heaven. Now, back then we said die. We know that now that's no such thing. The Bible says we shall never die. If you believe, you'll never die. You transition. Say that. It's okay to say that. I, it's okay. This is, this is good stuff. <laughs> we never die. There's no such thing as death for the believer. Whosoever shall believe in him should not, shall never die. Anyway, okay. So, he said, I want you to sit here 
And he said back then, until you die. How many know Ralph Martin would never say that now? Sit here, and I will give you $300 a week until you transition out of here. Forty years ago, that was a lot of money. Ten years later, a seed that he planted came forth. Sometimes you think it's not going to happen. You don't know what you're planning for right now. You don't know what the seeds you're planning for right now, when they're going to come about. But they're going to come. You can't plant a seed in the ground and it not come forth. You are created to be a giver. God's intention for man was to be a giver. We have no fulfillment in life outside of our created purpose, and that is to give. That is to give. We're to be givers. And in 1 Samuel 7, I love this scripture. It says, Samuel was sacrificing, or you could say he was giving a burnt offering, and the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to the place of Bethkar, slaughtering them all along the way. Samuel then took a large stone, placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah, and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, for he says, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. But what I want you to see is while he was in the act of giving, God moved on his behalf. While he was giving, God moved on his behalf. That's how God is. Giving has, I'm going to say a lot today. You're not going to get all this. And I may not even finish this. But get what you need, okay? Get what you need. But there's, there's, there's how we give. And we got to give with the right heart. We got to give cheerfully. Not because we got to. It's, it's how we give is as important as anything else. If I give to you begrudgingly, I get nothing out of that. There's no seed planting in that. I can't give to you because it's a duty. I give out of love. I give out of the kindness of my heart. I give because I want to give and it's good. Amen? What we give is important. How we give, but what, you know, Malachi, we'll get to Malachi later on, but the beginning of Malachi, God looks at Israel and says, if I'm a God, if I'm a father, where's my honor? Where's my respect? Because the way that you're giving is not good. You're giving out of contempt. You're giving out of duty. You're not giving the way that you really ought to give. You've you got to give right. You've got to give from the heart. You've got to give so intentionally, but it's, it's the purity of the giving. What we give is our best. Come on. You know, we don't know. In Genesis, we, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel and just kind of picks up speed and a lot of stuff. We don't know what happened. We don't know how Cain and Abel decided to bring an offering to the Lord. And the Bible says that Abel went to, he was a, a herdsman, so he went to his cattle 
and he went to his flocks and he looked at them and he found the very best one he had and he brought it to the Lord and he sacrificed it. He gave it to him. And the Bible says in Cain, he went, he was a farmer and he just went and gathered up some stuff and fruit and he went and brought it to the Lord. And the, God said to Abel, he said he accepted his sacrifice. Now, theologians years ago said he accepted Abel's sacrifice because it was blood sacrifice. No, he accepted Abel's because he gave him his best. Cain didn't bring his best. Cain didn't take the time to see what was the best that he had. He just brought some. It's not the best. It's not the best way to give. First, I'm jumping way ahead, but it's how you give. It's what you give. And it's when we give. You give consistently. You don't stop. The Bible says, and we shall reap if we faint not. Grow not weary in well-doing. Grow not weary in planting seeds. You're going to reap. You're going to reap if you faint not. You've got to be consistent with it. There's a parable in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 15. and says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and trusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on a trip. God give gifts according to to our abilities and the Bible says that the man that had five got five more and the man who got two he gave he got two more and so when they came back they came to him and said you gave me five I got you five more you gave me two I got you two more and the one he gave one to he says you know I knew what kind of man you were I knew that you harvested where you didn't plant and you get what you don't cultivate. He said, so I went and hid the talent that you gave me. And he said, you are an unprofitable servant. You should at least put it in the bank. You see, sometimes when we, the people who have the least feel like they have the least. You don't have the least. You just have what God gave you. You have the ability that was there. And if you use that ability that he gave you. That's all he's asking for. I was reading in Ephesians this morning. And he talks about the church. And talks about the body of Christ. And he goes and, and he says in the body of Christ. That every single member contributes to it. Every single person who is part of that body. Is contributing to the maturity of that body. But we have a lot of people at Eagles Way Church, who don't believe they have anything to offer. They don't believe that their attendance means anything. They don't believe that them being a vital part, that them being an active part means anything. It means everything. We can't be who we are without you. We can't do what we call to do without you. There's no way. When um, I became the pastor of this church, I... <laughs> 
Barbara and I, on the first Sunday morning, looking forward to it. But in the week before that, all the leadership left. The worship leader left. The musicians left. I don't know if it's causing me or what. No, I'll tell you what it's called. The, the reason they left, there was a charlatan across town. I can, I'm not going to mince words. He's in heaven now, and he knows he was one. He's a charlatan, and he abused sheep. So we had to start all over. Well, Barbara comes from a musical family. She's Cajun. All Cajuns can play something if it's not but spoons. They can do something. And uh, so Barbara played by ear. I don't mean she took her ear off and played. It means that she could listen to something and she could play. She knew some chords. So we, she played two songs every Sunday morning for a couple of months. Every Sunday morning. It was Fill My Way With Love and I'm in the Glory Land Way. Y'all don't know though. I'm in the way, the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is near and the way groweth clearer. For I'm in the glory land way. Y'all remember that song? Joey remembers that song. Fill my way every day with love as I walk with the heavenly dove. Let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. You know, that planted something in me because I believe since then it's about a song and a smile. I've been smiling ever since. And now we mixed it up. Every Sunday we mixed them up. We all, <laughs> we rotated them so it wouldn't get boring. And, uh, so, I cleaned the church. I cut the grass at the church. I cleaned toilets at the church. We did it all. I had some young men years later ask me, Brandon said, Buren, I, man, where'd you get your anointing? I, man, I, I just love to have that anointing. said, you must pray a whole lot. And, and you must really study a whole lot and I'll never forget what I said. I do pray, and I do study. But my anointing comes from giving. My anointing comes from cleaning toilets. My anointing comes from getting to church. Not a soundboard like that one back there. Our soundboard was about this big, and it had one knob on it. You just turn it on and fix the volume. And so I'd come in, I'd turn it on, I'd go up to the platform, I'd take the mic, get the volume set, go back and forth until the volume was set. That's how you get the anointing. You get it because you serve. You get it because you give what you have. That's all we had, so that's what we gave. It, it, it doesn't matter what it is. You just give according to your abilities. And so I, I, I would do this. I had a little New Testament, and I'd get on the lawnmower. And I'd be cutting grass, and, and I'd have this New Testament in my hand, and I would be memorizing Scripture while I cut the grass going around that church every single week, memorizing Scripture as I cut the grass. That's where the anointing came from. That's where the revelation and illumination came from. It was, yes, study, yes, prayer, but more than that, it was giving everything you got to do, everything you can do with the power that's within you. 
That's what it's about. And when you give that, then that's how God begins to give back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God comes back and he says, well, you did the five. He said, you've been faithful. You've you got five more. And this, I love this. He says, come, let us celebrate together. You got the two? Man, you got two more? Come on, let's celebrate together. You got the one, you buried it because you didn't think it was nothing. And you, and you had a wrong perspective of who I am. Let me tell you something about God. Let me tell you something, and please listen this, hear this out. Don't misquote me. There's something more important than believing in God. It's what you believe about him. What you believe about God is really as important as believing in him. Because you can believe in him, but what you believe about him is not who he is. That's dangerous. The God I serve is a loving, kind, gracious God. What I believe about him is critical and crucial. Critical and crucial. This man comes and he says, You've been in, he's invested in your life, people. God has invested gifts in you. And the worst scenario, the worst thing can happen is Jesus comes back one day. And you stand before him and you say, Just like you found me, Lord. Just like you found me. No growth. No maturity. Just like you found me. That's what this parable is saying. Some people are going to be found just like they were. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not that way. Giving of our time. I believe all of these are important but I tell you what giving of time in this day and age is crucial and I know how every, how many I know we all agree my gosh time flies I, I used to think well the older you get the more it flies everybody tells me it's flying I don't care for this this high this high this, this older this old it, time flies I just don't have time we all have more time than we really think And giving of our time with God, giving our time with our family, and giving time with ourselves. Let me tell you what happens when you give God your time. How many know that the Bible says, whatever you give, that's what you get back? You give love, what are you going to get? You plant patience, what are you going to get? give kindness what are you going to get give mercy what are you going to get so I give time what am I going to get wow I've said like I don't have time for that yes I do there's a story in Joshua chapter 10 verses 13 through 14 the Bible says the sun, sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies in this event, not recorded in the book of Joshua, which didn't make it to the canon, the sun stayed in the middle of the sky, and it did not set as a normal day 
There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Joshua looks to the sun and says, stand still. And to the moon, stand still. And for almost a day, the sun stood still. Now, I know some of you smart people out there are saying, the sun is always still. It's the earth that's turning. So I know you say, well, what happened? Did the sun stop? The earth stop? If the earth stop, everybody falls off. How many know God can do whatever he wants to do? Yeah. <laughs> and so it ain't about how he did it. It's just that it happened. Well, there were some scientists about 30, 40 years ago who were studying time. And I don't know how they do this. I'm just going by what, what I saw and what I read. And they were studying the history of time. And there was, in their words, not quite 24 hours, but 23 hours or so of time that's missing in history. And the only thing they could find was one of them was a believer and said it's in the Bible. Almost a day, time stood still. I don't know, but I've said it's happened in my life. It seemed like time stood still. And I was able to do what I needed to do in the time that I needed to do it. Is that an awesome God we serve? I give him my talents. I give him my time. And I give him my tithe. I put God first Malachi he says if you'll bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies I'll open windows of heaven for you I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in try it put me to test your crops will be abundant I will guard them from insects and diseases your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe says the Lord of heaven's then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Wanna, I was reading this, actually was meditating on it this week, and there's a part of it that just changed my whole perspective. The prophet says to Israel in Malachi 3, will a man rob God. And it's a rhetorical question. The answer to that question was, in its context, was yes. But I got to thinking, wait a minute. Wait, wait just a minute. How can we rob the God of this universe? The storehouse is the church. And how we rob God is not we literally rob the God. How many know he owns everything? You can't take anything from him. But what we rob are missionaries, souls, people. That's the God we rob. That people 
who should be blessed by it, administered by it, saved by it, homes put back together by it, broken people put back together by it, because there's a place of a storehouse that's filled, and people are being saved. That's what we're robbing. You can't rob the God of this universe. You can rob his work that's happening in the earth. It's about people, people. It's, we're not giving it to him. This kitty's coming. This, I, I was writing a letter. I actually wrote a letter. And uh, I want to right now thank the Facebook people who watch. But uh, we're going off the air right now uh, just for some personal talk with people that are here. I invite you to come here sometime. And uh, we're going to stop recording also. And I wrote this letter, and boy, we, we, man, it was the hardest letter we ever wrote. We wrote it three different times. And Will had it, 